Hello, this is the Revaland podcast and my name is Stephanie Singer. I am in London and I'm a white woman with long blonde hair wearing a pink turtleneck top and I'm sitting in my living room. There's a big green background behind me and I'm in front of my white fireplace. Hi, I'm Ronald Lichtenberg. I'm a tall man from the Netherlands. Uh, I'm grey hair, wearing a blue jersey and I'm sitting in front of a white background. This podcast is a deep dive into the very, very creative process of transforming gigs into live experiences. It's for artists, musicians, producers, creatives, really absolutely anyone with an interest in new forms of live entertainment and experiences. There are 10 episodes and we will be following four bands as they tackle the creative transformation with all the creative highs and lows that they're gonna experience along the way. So who am I? I'm a composer and a director of music experiences, the director of a company called Bittersweet. We're based in London and we make multi-sensory experiences for music, which we can talk about more later on because it's not really about me. Um, I am consulting at the moment with the bands and that basically means that I get to question them and support the development of all of their gigs into experiences. And that's basically exactly what I'm going to be doing today with the person that I'm talking to, which is Ronald Lichtenberg. Give us a wave, Ronald, and a hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me here. Well, this is your podcast after all. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started with Ronald, um, I want to take us to a rarefied place at the moment because obviously we are still in the middle of corona i want to take us into a gig in our minds so we're going to close our eyes and imagine being inside a gig space where with one of our favorite bands whoever they are they're on stage they're playing the lights are pulsing the sound is traveling through the space there's beer everywhere there's sweat all over you there's sweat all over me i'm drinking the crowd is dancing we're feeding into the band and it's this absolutely huge experience already so what does it mean to take a gig that's already an experience for all of us into being an experience. Isn't it already an experience? Um, what, from a Revelands point of view, I'd love to hear you share a bit about uh, the vision behind uh, what it means to transform a gig into live experiences. But just before you do that, I will introduce you. So Ronald Lichterberg is the founder of Possibilize. He is a creative force and you won't know it, but he's an incredibly tall man. And I'm gonna ask him to talk about this exact topic. So Ronald, tell us about Revelland. Why are we here? What's going on? What revolution are you forging the way for? Give us an insight. Yes, well, Revelland is a European platform that wants to transform performing arts and we want to make performing arts more inclusive and more immersive at the same time. Uh, and we do this by taking limitation as a source of inspiration. And the outcome of that should be that uh, every and each individual is able not only to experience and consume performing arts, but even to participate in it and, and get fully engaged in performing arts. So you said a word which I think is a very important word to you and a very important word to, to Revelland, which is limitation. Can you can you shed some insight on what you're really meaning by limitation? Yes. Well, if you look to limitation in general, limitations are seen as something that is not good, that are bad, that should be avoided, <laughs> should be ignored even, 
or should, but what we actually do is to jump in it and embrace it. So often you hear people say you should not look at what you cannot do, but what you can do. Well, we take that a step further and we look at, okay, there's something that you cannot do. For example, some people are deaf, some people are blind, but what is it that we can learn from this or even multiply that you now can do? And what is it that you can do better because you have this limitation? And um, so one of the things that we once developed was, for example, workshops body language conducted by deaf trainers. So deaf people give workshops to body to, to corporate companies on body language. They use their talent. Now, take this to the performing arts, and you will see that once you take the deafness or the blindness as the source of inspiration, there's the, okay, deaf people cannot hear the music, but what is it that they can? They can smell, they can uh, taste, they can touch. Uh, there's a lot of things, and they cannot even do better than the regular a hearing uh, a visitor on a concert. So we like to add all these sensorial input to a concert. Okay. And so by adding the sensorial input, so things that you can taste, things that you can see and feel and experience, the the Revel Land perspective is that that makes gigs more ex inclusive um, or, or what? What's the, the big vision? Well, we start with accessibility. So okay. inclusion for me is, is a broader, uh, broader idea, but okay. we start with accessibility. Mm -hmm. And so deaf people cannot hear the music, so they cannot also not really grab the melody, but they can get the emotion that is within the music. Mm -hmm. so they can get an, an as enthusiastic, or they can feel the sadness, they feel the love that is in the music. And that emotion, that is what we want to transmit by using sensorial effects. So people get can get sad or enthusiastic or enlightened by a certain scent. And they can do that with, with taste as well. So that is the emotion that we want to evoke by using multisensory effects. So in a way, you're sort of substituting what cannot be heard with other sensory experiences to basically create or convey the feeling of the music in the sensory experience. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, I would not even use the word substitute okay. because it's an addition to it. Because so the music still plays. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there can still be also a hearing experience because, and, and this is quite crucial for us, uh, many solutions that have come up for inclusion lead to exclusion. Uh-huh. Uh, and we uh, and segregate the people. Think of a wheelchair stage where only one person with a wheelchair and one person, one one person, that one friend can come with it. But if you go with a group of friends to a festival and you're in a wheelchair, you and that one person get to sit on the wheelchair stage, and the rest of the group of friends have to have to go somewhere else. I see. So you want to bring, you want to focus on the experiences that can bring people together as well as be accessible. Exactly. Well, we don't want to create exclusion. That's it. We want to create solutions that people can both, uh, deaf, hard of hearing and hearing people can enjoy together. And so we come up with this term called creative accessibility, mm -hmm. which we define as accessibility in such a way that multiple groups will benefit from. Mm. And so I guess something that I would be thinking if I was a listener is, um, 
I mean, I can say for myself, I am not deaf, nor would I even identify as disabled. And I think the same is true for, for you. Um, I, I, I would say I've got many limitations, but uh, let's say not diagnosed. Um, and so in this instance, it's quite interesting talking about kind of exclusivity in relation to that, because obviously, um, how does it, how does the process work to create experiences um, that are at the moment, it sounds like for potentially deaf audiences or for um, audiences with disabilities, but not necessarily created by, can you, can you speak about the process of making? Sure. Um... Well, first of all, it's very important, of course, that everybody is included in that whole process. So if it's never that we're going to do it for deaf people, it's also with deaf people then, of course. Right. Um, so in this whole project of Revelant, which we'll share more about, uh, the process, first of all, is nothing about us without us. And uh, so everybody that is going to benefit, is supposed to benefit from this work, should also have a say in how it's being produced. Uh, we have deaf people in the team. We have people with uh, learning difficulties in the team and they give feedback and they come up with ideas on how to continue on this this uh, project. Okay. Um, and if I was to say, this might be a really impossible question and I think I'd hate it if someone asked me this, so I apologize. But if, if we were to go to the big vision, like what is the big vision of, of or the mission, let's say, of um, of, Revelland, what world do you want to see that you don't currently see right now? Well, the main thing is not even long how performing arts would look like, but the main thing would be for me to have a world where the perception of people, as soon as they're being confronted with a limitation, is that they don't dive away from it, or that they don't jump away, or that they don't, well, I just said, avoid it. They say, mm. okay. Here's a limiting, let's deal with it and then get over it. I and love that. So lean into limitation. They, exactly. They might even enjoy it and think, hey, here's an opportunity to grow. Here's an opportunity to, to get to the next level. Apparently, we weren't perfect. Hello. But <laughs> uh, apparently, there's something that we haven't thought of. Let's now find something else for this. We can actually improve ourselves here. Uh, and if people go with that attitude to in life, uh, but also in the performing arts, um, I'm sure that we all can benefit from from such an attitude. Mm. See, that's so interesting. So in the, in this current kind of iteration of Revelland, which I know that you were kind of at the beginning of the journey of Revelland, actually, um, can you speak a bit about what's, what's this kind of initial launch project that you are developing to live and breathe some of these aims that you're talking about? Yes. Well, for that, I will take you back to 2002 when yeah. I was working in a music venue. And I got at a point in my life where I thought, okay, what is the next level? And I realized that for that, I had to come up with a challenge that was way bigger than I ever thought I could realize. And working in the music business, I thought the most, the biggest challenge I can, could come up by then was to have a music event for deaf people, which was so intriguing for me that I thought no matter what is going to happen. So you were I'm in 2002. You're you you a musician. Is that how you, where, when you say uh, you were working in the music I, industry, say you say a bit more about that. Yeah, I was a marketeer at a, at a music venue, yeah. uh, a DJ at gigs and hosting a radio show. Okay, so you're literally you're working right, in the industry. Decades ago. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I was everything except a musician. Well, uh, <laughs> my my um, the thing that comes closest to an instrument was uh, my my disc man or something. Hey, yeah. a disc man's an instrument. Uh, it's a relic, anyway. Uh, okay, so it's two thousand and two, <laughs> and you you have this kind of very personal revelation, which is there's something more that you, that that could be gotten out of music, and the big challenge is can you do a a gig for deaf audiences and then what happens and then i got in touch with the deaf community because again i didn't want to do it myself for somebody right. else i wanted to do it with them and then a whole world opened up and i got to learn so much about inclusion accessibility uh, diversity uh, prejudices both from hearing both from deaf community um but we still did the event and in 2003 we did have the first music event uh, with and for deaf people using a lot of public sensory input mm -hmm. and the event was such success that uh, a very short time relatively short time still like seven six seven years this concept toured around the world and we did wow. uh, shows in uh, sao paulo and johannesburg and new zealand uh, and all over europe but everywhere we came i noticed people did a bit weird around this event and they and it was mostly about uh like inclusive events this is very new approach to it because i noticed that when, when it comes to inclusion mm. often people think that costs money that costs time that is a lot of effort and nobody really knows how to do it so in other words it's a burden and yeah, it's I an afterthought as and long a as, mm. Exactly, yeah. And I think as long as people look at inclusion as it's a burden, not much is going to happen, yeah. right? There might be social pressure, there might be regulations around it, but as if there's no intrinsic motivation, it's going to take quite some time for it to happen. So while on the other side, when our events, who are called Sun City, uh, the okay. Sun City events, the, I mean, it was pure fun. You know, so you said they were it. successful. Yeah, I'd love to know more what success felt like or looked like in the, in that context. You know, what were people experiencing that really? Because uh, it sounds like Sense City basically has inspired what Revelland has become, or potentially Revelland is an evolution of Sense City. Um, but just talk a bit more about yeah, what what did success feel like? What did it look like in those audiences? Um, how did they respond? Yeah, magic. Magic, and it's it's funny that all over the world people reacted in the same way, but most, what what I, the common experience was liberation, like liberation that this was possible, um, but it, it varied. Like in Brazil, people were crying, uh, and in Johannesburg, deaf people experienced for the first time dancing in their whole life. Well, uh, and so, and this is because, from your point of view, the elements that you've you've you've. Uh, put inside of a gig are what exactly you know what is different at a sense city event to a normal gig that we described at the beginning of the of the show first of all the starting point like okay we're gonna which has already paradox in it right music for deaf people and then deaf people participating in organizing something but then because the event has such a an an, an image it has such a a news factor as well uh, immediately deaf people became proud and they got proud on them delivering because in the end they are organizing the event mm -hmm. um, 
but them delivering an event that has that that has national press coverage, for mm-hmm. example, increased the profile of, of these people who are worked on. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they became the heroes of the peer group. But then when the event is happening, what is actually happening on the event is that there are bands playing as they would play a normal gig, and but we add uh, a vibrating floor to it. And we add an aroma joke. He was on stage spreading scents in the, in the venue. And these scents are based on the story uh, of the music. So each song, uh, there is a set, let's say 10 songs. Each song has a different scent. A uh, love song would have something with uh, lavender or, or strawberry. Uh, an uplifting song would have something with peppermint or orange. And a quiet song would have something with, with forest scent, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. But it would also some taste effects like, um, like a, I mentioned the, the strawberry, like a strawberry mousse with a love song, or mm-hmm. something very spicy when there is an upbeat song. Uh, there are video images, video projections, uh, light effects, uh, I mentioned the vibrating floor. There are dancers on stage in the venue. There are sign dancers who translate not only the lyrics, but also the rhythm of the music. And every now and then there are other effects, like I'm still dreaming of the weather jockey producing a little <laughs> dam or uh, or a thunder or a blowing hot Sirocco wind in the, in the venue. Well, uh, and so, I mean, it sounds to me like you've done already quite a lot of pioneering stuff in this in this area and as i mean obviously i know because i'm talking to all the bands on and this journey that um one of the differences with this new process that i know you're going to describe for us is that um versus this one where sense city is kind of creatively involved in directing or supporting artists to uh, say oh well, we'll pair lavender with this one or whatever in this kind of new model the challenge is actually to inspire or enable the artists themselves to take control of the experiences of their own music and to think with just the same love and attention about how you know when you compose a piece of music you you spend hours loving and nurturing each note to be just how you want it or each lyric to be just how you want it and actually the the part of the challenge is to say to artists and creators pay that same attention to the gig experience you know give that same love that same nurturing attention to the way in which the audience enter the space to the smells in which the audience kind of encounter when they're inside the environments you know so you it's kind of there's a different there's a there's this is like sen city 2.0 in a funny kind of way because you're you're kind of educating or you're inspiring i think that's what's going on so tell us about revelland and and how and how it has evolved. Yeah, well, a few streams came together here, a few angles. One is that uh, each time when a band would have performed at a Sun City uh, event, they were so uplifted and so they they had their epitome constantly. But at the same time, I realized at the event, we bring various bands together. We spend a lot of money, a lot of energy to look at which scent matches this song, which food, etc. Um, and then it would be over, mm. which is a pity. So we thought, how about we create a training program in which these bands learn from the, the best experts on, on, sen- on the census. Uh, they learn from the best experts on the census how to add scent to their gig and how to add food to their gig and how to use a choreography that makes sense, that matches with them. 
So Ravaland, uh, in its first thing that we're doing, in its first showcase, we want to create a showcase uh, to other cultural institutions to see how it's been done. And then we have these four bands that are uh, paired with six international experts on the census to produce a show that can tour around. And at the same time, with cheap, brilliant solutions. So it should be cheap in order, like it shouldn't cost 10,000 euro if you only get paid a thousand, right? right. Um, it should be brilliant because with this little money, <laughs> you cannot do much. But at the same time, it should be brilliant in a way that you can do it all the time. You should be able to tour around with it. Uh, and it should be a solution clearly where uh, it solves the issue of how to make your gig more immersive. Because here's, and here comes the second stream, uh, musicians and bands in general are much more depending on the revenue stream of their performances. So let's say 20 years ago, it was the other way around where people would earn the money with the album and they would perform for free. Now that completely transformed and turned around. And now the emphasis is on the live performance. But in order to stand out and to entertain the, the audience more, you need to do more than just stand on stage and look at your instrument and play the right notes, right? It needs to be much more of performance. And in order to take the, the visitor on a journey, you want to use a bigger, you want to use more instruments, basically. So it's really interesting. So these, so you're kind of um, inspiring artists to take their gigs to the next level by becoming more immersive, more sensory, more accessible, and do it all in a cheap and repeatable kind of way, <laughs> which exactly, I know exactly. as making these experiences is quite a challenge, right? Because when you're talking about making food, especially if you're looking at audiences of 300 to 500 uh, in, a, in a space or bigger, 1,000, 5,000, you know, these these things uh, are amazing ambitions, but it's, when we talk about scale, it's, it's they, they come quite quickly in, in conflict. But also the thing that I find really inspiring about the vision is, um, you know, we can look to the, the world generally right now and see this is the future. There's no doubt that experience, the experience economy is it. Um, we're seeing it in all major artists are also uh, they've been doing, you know, experiences for stadiums for a long time. Um, you know, big stadium directors, experience directors and creative directors. Those are big jobs, the people defining how does Beyonce fly into the stadium? You know, that's that is a decision yeah. that someone's taken. But but the, the thing that you're kind of seeing is an opportunity to um, to take that even further, to create intimate experiences um, that will encourage uh, a live thriving financial opportunity for the industry and for artists themselves which is so important uh, because you know the other streams of income don't really exist um anymore so it's quite a big vision the one you've kind of you're you're sort of driving at this at this point in time um and i know that we're going to speak to madeleine about uh Sense city and and kind of from a deaf perspective uh, what it's like to create inside the space and what it's like to experience um but could you just tell us a little bit before we go to madeleine could you tell us a little bit about the bands that you are uh, taking on this journey just introduce yes them. yes yes as this is a european project uh, and i should actually say a western european project 
uh, at this point. Um, we selected from each country that is participating in this project, which is Ireland, England, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Uh, from each country, we selected a band. Uh, three of them have already performed in, in the past at Sand City. Uh, let me start in Ireland, where we are working with Cormac, who is uh, a, a magician in, when it comes to sound, and who has produced a huge range of, of various kinds of music, uh, scores for TV series and, and films. Uh, he has toured with a live band, uh, a huge band, like a big band. When he was in the city in Dublin, I remember like 12 guys going crazy on stage, delivering an amazing live show. But he's just as good as doing uh, a solo gig or performing in Sydney with a, a chamber orchestra. Wow. So he's, he's, very, he's multi-talented and um, uh, he's going to produce a show that uh, I, I assume is going to blow our socks off uh, on, on, on when he's on stage. And then there is perhaps Contraption from England, a uh, London-based uh, nine-hat collective uh, on brass instruments, mostly on brass instruments and percussion. Um, again, very talented musicians who also are very creative. Like when you watch a show of them, it's not just the music, but it's the way how they interact with each other and how they walk around. There is a very elaborated choreography in it. Um, and they also are able to make, uh, to, to bring that performance to a theater level. So they have performed actually in, in theater music. They make musicals, so they write them themselves and they perform them themselves. Um, visually very interesting, uh, artistically very interesting, which I can say about the Dutch participant as well, which um, is Knars. K-N-A-R-S, um, th that is the, the brainchild of Martijn Holslag, who previously uh, was the frontman of Knarset Tant. Uh, and again, they were able, with nine people, also performed at Sin City with nine people uh, in 2014 in Arnhem. And again, they, they blew the audience away with their show. Uh, and I remember the enthusiasm of Martijn while playing for this deaf audience, which at first had to look like, what, what is going on here? Um, but his, his music and his passion is so energetic that it was really a joy and that he was able to transmit that energy to the audience. So, I mean, as a musician, if you're able to get a deaf crowd nuts, I mean, you must do something, a good thing, right? I mean, the DJ is able to get a deaf audience out of the venue but he managed to entertain them. <laughs> mm. uh, and then I'm also very, very thrilled about having uh, the, the band from uh, Belgium, uh, Crank, K-R-A-N-K-K. -K. And they are uh, a new collective. Uh, I think they're playing only for about two or three years, but very, very talented musicians. Um, using this very intriguing mix of, of very of, of, of beats, of dark beats, with mesmerizing uh, guitar play over it. Um, they work with a lot of other musicians, guest musicians, um, vocalists, rappers, MCs, uh, a genius drummer. Uh, so it's a very, very fascinating mix of sound. And like every time when you hear a track of them, you're like, what's that sound? What's this? And then it turns out to be an Armenian flute or something. Well, uh, so it's, um, very intriguing soundscapes coming from that. 
Amazing. So you've got a collection of pretty large scale bands, apart from Cranky are just three, isn't it? But each of the others have you're bringing quite a lot large, um, large groups of tape and Cormac too. too. Um, well, I, I must say, like, both Cormac and Martijn, uh, Cormac from Ireland and Martijn, like they could, it could either be them solo or it could be them with like. 20 people on stage yeah uh, it's up to them how to to fill in their their show for this time well just before we go to Madeleine, i'd love you to leave us with an encouragement of what do you think listening to this podcast is going to bring listeners and um yeah why should people engage with this podcast that, yeah that's it that's a, a tricky question though i hope that people get interested in the idea of, of seeing inclusion as a joy, as, as something that is going to benefit other people uh, and, and yourself, actually. Like investing time in making performing arts inclusive is going to be an enrichment for the entire sector, for the entire, for the entire world. If, if Let's play it big, you know? Um, yeah, so I hope that is what people take out of this podcast. Love it. Yeah, my name is Madeleine. I'm 18 years old. I have brown hair. I'm a, a white woman. Uh, I have a brown shirt on and a necklace. And behind me, there is a palm tree plant. And I'm deaf and I'm using sign language uh, through a sign language interpreter. My name is Davy. I have a brown hair, uh, a little bit up. Um, I'm from Indonesia, but I'm born in Holland. And I'm sitting here in my home office at a screen and behind me, there's a white um, wall. So a bit of context, just before we start the um, interview, David, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the process of the next interview, because I know that you will be interpreting what Madleaf is saying and just give a little context to some of the silence that our hearing listeners will encounter in the next bit. Yeah, I, I will translate everything that Marlies says in sign language for the spoken language. And in this case, it's the English uh, spoken language. And so I first have to translate the sign language in my head for the Dutch translation. And then I have to translate it again in English and the other way around also. So if I hear something in English, First, I have to translate it in Dutch in my head, and then I have to translate it in sign language. So the translation will be like a three-second delay, and that will be explained the silence in between. Awesome. So there's a lot of work happening. Great. Well, Madleaf, it's so nice to meet one of the organizers of Sense City. I know you've been working with the company for two years in an organizational format and a creative development format. And I just love this next passage to really be about you sharing your perspective of what Sense City feels like, why it's different from other gig experiences. So let's just start with a bit of context about you and music and just shed some light on what music means to you generally. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I can hear just a little bit. Uh, I have my hearing aids. And so I can enjoy music that I can hear. Um, I always, from, from child of, uh, I always listen to music. Uh, for example, in the car, my dad had the music on, so I uh, grew up with it. And I was a really big fan of Michael Jackson. And yeah, and um, first Michael Jackson, and then I discovered a lot of different artists, uh, different music and songs and um, singers. And I really found music very, very cool and awesome. So I uh, downloaded, I bought a, a phone and then I put some earpods in and then I just listened to the music. And like a hundred percent, I cannot uh, understand everything they say, uh, but I can enjoy the music. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about how is Sense City different from uh, another gig? Yeah, uh, Sense City. Uh, sense is in the word, if there are the senses, and it's really dedicated to all the senses, the, this, the taste, the see, the hear, uh, also the, 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 uh, the, the, the feelings, the, the, the smells, the taste, everything. And uh, at Sense City, uh, they have a really, really loud music with a lot of bass in it. And we have a vibrating dance floor. And, and when you're standing on the floor, it, it is really get all the vibrations through your whole body. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really nice. And uh, the, the smell also, there we have like a special uh, oils like a big fence later, and then we spread out the center. I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah. And oh, also the, the light, the light shows different colors will be shown. Um, you can also taste uh, yeah, just like uh, very special things, odd things, but, but it matched with the music. So the taste, the smell, the hearing, the, the feeling, everything, what's in the songs about, it will connect with all the senses. And just a normal gig, you only listen. It's only a focus on hearing. And uh, we as deaf, we just cannot experience um, the music in that way. So uh, uh, at SimCity, we can. And so all the senses are there, only not the hearing we cannot experience. What an amazing description. Um, and do you think that, can you imagine a world in which all gigs took that perspective? Well, when, when 
then it's really it would be really awesome if, if that um, if all the all the the gigs are at the same intensity. Uh, it would be really really great. Uh, I cannot imagine that that everybody can do, but I I can have hope. And so there's um as a kind of final question, you know, there's this we're taking four bands on this journey from being uh, a gig which may be non-accessible into being immersive experiences which will be driven by inclusivity and accessibility. What would you say to the bands as something to bear in mind as they go across this process or really anyone interested in designing multi-sensory accessible experiences? Um, Sensity, they already doing their best. There's a really role model uh, of gigs that you can take over. But it's it's um, more important to be in a dialogue with the public, with the people, what they want, and and have a really connection with them. Also, uh, the band, and um, and and and. and People uh, already have have the the connection with deaf, but uh, deaf people they don't have that with spoken word. They just have it with um, all kind of different things. And so, be in dialogue with with the public, with the people, with the visitors. Yeah, that's the most important. Uh, more tips? No, I don't have. No, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Hey, no, that tip is pretty pretty brilliant. <laughs> It's really important. I always think that as well. With immersive work, you have to test it on people because uh, the whole thing is driven by how someone else is going to experience it. And you can design a lot of things in your mind that sound brilliant, but actually in practice, it means a totally different thing. So I think what you've said is really important. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, thank you both so much for your time. Okay, you're very welcome. No problem. It was nice to have this dialogue with you and for this interview, uh, English and translating to Dutch sign language. It's very nice to, to have this experience. So you can join us every month as we follow the bands on this incredible journey. And you can follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify or YouTube. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Discover Revelland, or subscribe to the newsletter at www.discoverreveland.today. Thanks for being here and see you next time.